Today's inaugural episode of the 353 podcast is presented by Base Knock Radio. We banked this NBA free agency discussion back on July 9th. There's a lot of good stuff in there, so enjoy. Dick Schroeder. Sweetheart. Hey, what's up there? <laughs> Lots going on in the NBA. A couple things we got to go right into. So, first on the list, I think it goes without saying, Paul George traded to Oklahoma City for Victor Oladipo. Does it change anything? Well, let me let me finish. He's traded to Oklahoma City for Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. And it kind of seems like Paul George was traded for 25 cents on the dollar. There were probably a lot better offers out there. Boston, I know, was trying to get Paul George, and they had a deal with picks involved, a couple of established veterans. But Oklahoma City ended up winning out and getting Paul George. I don't know. This this seems kind of ridiculous to me. It, it doesn't make them that much better, and Paul George is going to be a free agent anyways, probably head to Los Angeles. I definitely don't think he's staying. Who's running the Pacers now that Larry Bird's not there? Uh... Well, he's still he's still running things behind the scenes. He's Larry Legend. He doesn't have to be in the building to uh, the be is, calling is the shots. The Pacers really got shafted there, and I guess who's running the Pacers? I, I was listening to Bill Simmons' show the other day, and they were saying that whoever was running the Pacers was kind of shafting Paul George on purpose. He's like, "Here, we're going to trade you into purgatory." So that you have to play a season with Russell Westbrook where you're not going to get the touches you you want. You're going to be stuck on the court with the MVP, which wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily. But the fact is, is that Russell Westbrook is just a ball, plain ball hog. I think a lot of people are very high on the trade and I don't really see how it benefits Paul George. I don't really see how it benefits Russell Westbrook either. I feel like Russell Westbrook is a Kobe Bryant type where you really just have to surround him with a bunch of guys that aren't going to are you know are going to be okay with not touching the ball and you just kind of have to you know unleash him and let him do his thing. I mean that's what the Lakers seem to do uh post Kobe and Shaq, you know, they grabbed Bynum, they grabbed uh Pau Gasol, just a bunch of dudes that were all-star caliber players but that you know kind of knew their roles and stuff and Paul George I don't think is going to be that Guy, that's just they also okay had the greatest coach, that. one of the greatest coaches, and an even better uh, <laughs> president of ba- yeah, and an even better uh, you know president of basketball operations. What? I mean, the man, the legend. <laughs> it speaks for itself. You he know? wasn't drafting players, so no, I think he wasn't doing much of anything. <laughs> if if I'm Oklahoma City, I know it's not enough to win a title, and I know he's going to leave in a year. But I'm kind of celebrating tremendously just because I dumped off two average young players who probably hit their ceiling and just got a top 15 player in the NBA to pair with the MVP. The Oklahoma City Thunder aren't going to go that far in a stacked West, but I think they have what's necessary to get you know, a higher playoff seed than they did last year and even win a first-round series if they place in that 4-5 seed area. Well, the question I would pose is this, is um, let's assume 
that the Oklahoma City Thunder make it past the first round. You figure they lose in the second round, you know, depending on what their draw is. My question is this. Uh, what would Sam Hinkie have to do to convince Paul George to stay? Like, who's the who is a player that he would have to attract? And the question I'd pose to both of you is, what player do you think they could reasonably get Especially considering that Oklahoma City is kind of notorious for not spending a lot of money. Uh, before I answer that, I just want to know why you said Sam Hinkie because he's the former president of basketball operations for oh yes, the 76ers, that's a that's a very good point, and he's currently unemployed. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny thing about that. I was talking to Sam Hinkie the other day. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're not going to believe this. You, you, made a, you made a good point there. You know, what could they possibly do to... What, what is, could they do? What is basketball? <laughs> wait, what could they do? Yeah. Well, my Paul question George. is, Paul George, do you want to play with Russell Westbrook or do you want to play with Lonzo Ball? Who's the better point guard? Who's going to get you that championship? Who's going to get you closer to that championship right now? I don't know. That's if, the if question like you got to ask. No? Is a pre I hate Lonzo Ball rant? No, this is just a legitimate rant of what he's going to have to choose. Hey, you know, if they get to the second round and they're close to maybe they go seven games, who are you not going to come back? If I'm Paul George, and I don't want to take anything away from Russell Westbrook, but I would probably choose Lonzo Ball. Just because you've got the added factor that he wants to play in Los Angeles, and plus Lonzo Ball is a proven distributor. I mean, granted, right. it's only at the college level, but Lonzo Ball, his reputation is making players around him better. That's true. Whereas Russell Westbrook is, you know, taking over the game. He's got a, he's a, he's a ball hog. I don't want to call him a ball hog. He's, he's a high usage player. No, 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 no. Let's let's call him a ball hog. There's and he's a high usage. High he's usage. a successful ball hog. But yeah. Let's. He made he takes made a NBA lot of shots. history made NBA history with ball usage rating yes. last year. Takes a lot of shots, so, also. You know, Russell Westbrook averages. Holy over shit! 10 I, I can't believe I said Sam Hinkie. He, he averaged a triple double. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. But I mean, if the Lakers don't get to the playoffs this year, and then they lose maybe in the second round or the first round, Paul George, how do you leave a playoff team and go to a team that didn't even make the playoffs? You think you're getting closer to a championship? Yeah, but the thing about Wait, sorry about that. I meant to say Sam Presti. Okay. I meant to say Sam Presti, we, we not Sam Hickey. Uh, Jesus. Going back to what you were saying, it's tough, but there's precedent for it. LeBron did it to go to Cleveland, and granted, Paul George is not LeBron where he could single-handedly take one of the worst teams in the league and turn them into an instant All title. right, so then if LeBron... Okay, so then if Paul George does that, who else follows Paul George to L.A.? Well, that was the question. Oh. Well, I think it ultimately depends on... First of all, I don't think L.A. is assured to get the, you know, I don't think Magic jo Magic Johnson and, you know, them have a clear <clears throat> uh, theory or at least idea of what they want to get. I don't think it's concrete that they're going to get Paul George just like I don't think it's concrete. Are you saying Paul George's end? Because he came out and said basically the Pacers. No, no, no. I'm talking about, I'm talking in this case about Magic Johnson and L.A. Like, I don't think it's guaranteed that they're going to get the players that they want, and that's including Paul George. Is somehow DeMarcus Cousins going to end up in Los no, Angeles? No, but, I mean, they, they want to get LeBron, too. You know, people are saying LeBron's jumping ship for one of the Los Angeles teams. but Why would LeBron leave? Because he's a baby back bitch. <laughs> he's <laughs> not a baby back bitch. The point is is that you're pairing you, if Paul George were to go to L.A., you're pairing him with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Brooke Lopez. He may, may or may not still be on the roster. 
and you throw Paul George into that, wow. if Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram hit their ceiling, then that's a championship team, in my opinion, before even diving into the bench. If Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are both superstars and you add Paul George at the top of his prime, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Warriors. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Rockets. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Cavs, but I'm saying they're equal. Not equal, but they ha- they have the talent on the roster to take them on. I mean, the thing that I find really interesting just about NBA free agency, particularly this year, is that a lot of teams have made a lot of moves that on the surface seem like really good moves, but it really doesn't change it doesn't my matter. opinion. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't change matter. the outcome of who's going to come out of the West. No, it doesn't Just matter. like, I mean, I mean, way less moves were made in the East, but it does but no matter what moves were made, it's not going to change the outcome and you have to figure that that that's the way it's going to be for the next probably 2 to 3 years. Yeah, we're going to see a four peat. Yeah. You know, it's funny I think that's a reasonable that because I was listening to an interview with Daryl Morey, who's the GM, and I think he's also the president of basketball operations for Houston. I forget what his exact job is. Speculation. <laughs> Speculation, <laughs> man. But he's he's the big boss in Houston, and he was on with Bill Simmons, and they were talking, you know, they were having a similar discussion, and Morey said something pretty profound that, you know, they're making moves in the offseason. Free agency is key to building a championship team. But teams are flawed in that they want to have their team done by September. Whereas as an NBA team, you're, you should be improving your team all the way up into the trade deadline. You should be making changes and fixing things on the fly and get you know as close to being a championship team as the season goes on. There's no way you're going to be able to anticipate what your strengths and weaknesses are once the season shakes out. Yeah, but that's also some... I mean, you know, granted, Daryl Morey's way more qualified to talk about, you know moving around things on his team than I am, but I also find that to be um, something that's easier said than done. Let's get this straight, Chris. Pretty much 99% of the human population is more qualified. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Did you get that from the Bill Simmons podcast? Because you, 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 know, you mentioned it four times. I mean, but no. Um, this podcast was brought to you, brought by, to you Bill by Bill Simmons. Simmons, of course, right? He paid us to, <laughs> he told us we had to say that. But, <laughs> No, but um, I say that to say ID. there's a, <laughs> you know, there is a level of how much of your team do you want to change that far into the year, from the standpoint that um, at a certain point you have to almost stick with what you have and kind of let the players work themselves out. A lot of people feel like a lot of people say things like, oh. Uh, Kevin Love to the uh, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James. Why you know why aren't they winning champ? You know why didn't they win the championship that year? How come they're having such a hard time playing together? Why don't they just win? And it's be- the reason is because it's a lot easier said than done. When you have players that are you know at an elite superstar level like <clears throat> Chris Paul, like James Harden, you can't just expect them to mesh you know instantly. And well, the same can I be mean, said that's... about the bench players. The same can be said about new acquisitions to any team. You can't just assume that everything will work itself out. You have to give guys a chance to play together. So while, again, I'm going to defer to Daryl Morey when it comes to the Rockets, I don't necessarily think that that's that is necessarily the best thing for your team. So, you know, moving on, we spent quite a bit of time on this Paul George thing. The kind of top thing going on in the NBA right now is that James Harden signed an extension for $228 million that will run through the 2023 season. And 
It's the largest extension in NBA history, and it makes Harden the highest player and highest paid player in the league. Now, I think we're all in agreement that James Harden isn't the best player in the league, but is he worth signing this historic extension? Uh, I believe he is. Guys had <clears throat> guys coming off an MVP caliber year. I mean, let's be realistic. If Russell Westbrook doesn't average a triple double. You know, James Harden wins it. Let's say you had an MVP vote. Was he your MVP? Would you have voted? He for him? was my MVP vote because I think winning matters, and I think that efficiency matters. You know, he did more with less shots. Um, his team got farther. Now you can argue semantics of you know his team was maybe put together. He had a you know, way a little more sub- effectively supporting cast. Right. I mean, I see. He I am shooters even, all around. Right. So. Yeah, and, and and you can even argue a better coach because you know some people like Mike D'Antoni, some people don't. But Sixth the dude man of has the been year on the team. Two yeah. two candidates, two out of the three candidates finalists yeah. on the same team. But for me, regardless, um, my uh, I'm just of the opinion that if Russell Westbrook ends up averaging, you know, thirty points, ten rebounds, and nine point nine assists, and he doesn't average a triple double, I think that the voting for MVP goes very different. You're I going, think you're going on the record <clears throat> saying that the. Voting for Russell Westbrook was a superficial stat thing. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a superficial stat thing, but I think people get caught up in the history and like the moment itself. You know, again, I'm not. I would have voted for James Harden. I'm not unhappy that Russell Westbrook. You know, literally, we're talking about one A and one B. Um, I think that if James Harden won it, I don't think people would be upset necessarily that that Russell Westbrook lost it and vice versa. For me, I just think that. I I mean if I'm you're asking me you know if I have a vote and I'm going to take the dude that has a higher seed was as efficient literally you know he he also almost averaged a triple double did it with less shots so I you know for me personally I would have went with Harden that said I don't have any problem with with Westbrook winning it the guy made history guy had 42 triple doubles this year it was incredible what it's he pretty did. insane yeah, yeah it's it was pretty, absolutely it's, incredible it's retar- he, he went retarded you have Harden over Westbrook as MVP as well? It's tough because the guy averaged a triple-double. You know what I mean? I do that in my, my player on the video games, and I get pretty excited. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's pretty. It's a pretty no, ecstatic it's, it's thing. Like, but James Harden was putting up some pretty pretty insane Yeah, he averaged numbers. 29 and 11. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Shot 44% from the field, so I'm sure he's taking he a nice amount title, of shots. Right? Did he? Oh, no, Russell Westbrook averaged 30 points. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> But I remember that's Harden, hard to do. Harden's having like sixty point games in in meaningful basketball games, whereas Russell Westbrook was pretty much resigned to that seven or eight seed from day one because of his roster. He did, he didn't have a team that wasn't was going to get a high seed. It was it, he was the ceiling. And yeah, but if it, you take him off the team, how many games do they win? They I don't think they win many. Nah, I mean, they might win like twenty games. You know, maybe Who's in his form MVP should be boiled down to if you took this player off the team how many games they would win. It's most valuable, no? Yeah, but you know in baseball Yeah, but then you could chop that up a lot of different ways. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to use this as an example because I hate when people say stuff like this, but I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> if you would if you were to go by that metric, LeBron James would win. Oh, he's the MVP every year. Every no? single year, yeah. And I, I hate saying that, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's the truth. Well, like, you got to give him an yeah. that in baseball pretty significant you know, measure of of success is wins above replacement. And 
Mike Trout won MVP last year on a 60-something win team who had absolutely no shot at making the playoffs in the basement dweller. But Mike Trout was still undisputably, undisputably worth the most wins. Like if you took Mike Trout off the Angels, the Angels would go from like a 65-win team to like a 55-win team, which is unheard of and unprecedented. Yeah. But basketball is, is not like baseball where you can extrapolate all these different players for their individual values and worth towards the team. It's more kind of like the sum of your parts, and you need your superstars to make your players around you better. I also think that basketball is in that um, time in its history where I don't think you're likely to give a guy MVP that hasn't at least made the playoffs yeah. and isn't it doesn't at least have a winning record. Like the fa- yeah. I mean, the fact that that happened to Mike Trout is actually pretty. I think progressive thinking for ba- for baseball. It's not unprecedented. But, <clears throat> Andre though. Dawson won the NL uh, MVP one year. I agree with you. It's a progressive mindset, but it's not exactly unprecedented. But baseball, yeah, it's fair. Uh, baseball is a little more cumulative. Stat yeah, the MVP than right. basketball, whereas basketball is more about averages. But but how could you be the MVP on a last place team? <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the argument becomes yeah, the if MVP you take this the guy what, off the, the team, right? No, but you're the MVP of the Angels. Let's be serious. Now you're no, a 60 you win team. A, but think about it. If you put Mike Trout on any other team, you would automatically add 10 wins. Take the Mets last year, who won 87 games. You add Mike Trout to the team, they win 97 you games. Tell you tell me they win 97 games? games? They might win 115 games. Yeah. Come on with this wins above also, replacement. Also Who's doing this? It. Think about it. The, the effect is compounding. If you take Mike Trout and put him on a team where they got runners on base every time he comes up, then his RBIs are jumping up by 30. Yeah, he becomes Lou Gehrig. So while so while I agree and I'm loving the MVP discussion, we we also got a little off topic. What it came what the question originally was is James Harden worth this extension? Yeah. Bound. Uh, I think he is, but not necessarily because he's his value is equivalent to forty seven million or whatever. What's it, what's the top salary he was going to earn in a year? Was it forty seven? I don't remember. You sent me a text. Maybe it was 37. I think the average year. is 37. Well, if you do the average, it's 37. There was one year where he earns a ridiculous amount. I think that relative to other contracts in the NBA, he's worth the money because you saw a bunch of different contracts this offseason itself. Like Kelly Olnick got $50 million last year. Tyler Johnson got $60 million, And Tyler Johnson was a bench player who all of a sudden got $15 million a year out of nowhere. So relative to other salaries around the league – of course he's worth the money. He's a top five superstar. He's a top three scorer in the league. You know, maybe he's not an elite defender, but the NBA doesn't value elite defense the way it used to anymore. Schroeder. Yeah, I'd say you got to pay the man, man. I mean, the NBA has all this cash laying around. They're making millions of dollars. Yeah, pay the guy. I mean, you can make a legitimate argument that James Harden should have two MVPs right now. And I think on that basis alone, the fact that he's still in his prime, he's really he's hasn't even reached... Yeah. Dude hasn't even reached what... You could argue that he hasn't even reached what his full potential is yet. I think this is a no-brainer move by the Rockets. I think you got... I think this guy's a top-five player in the NBA. Um, he has... I mean, I think that his defensive deficiencies are a serious concern... But I think ultimately this dude's a high-power offensive player that makes his teammates better, and he's proven it 
more times than just y- this year, although, uh, you know, he had obviously pretty much his best year to date. Um, I think I, I think I just think this is a no-brainer move. I want to talk about the Summer League specifically. I want to talk about Lonzo Ball. And <laughs> I know this could uh, raise – this could make tempers flare a little bit, but he's played two Summer League games. In the first one, he had a bit of a rough go where he shot two for 15 and only went for five points. And immediately – he took a ton of criticism for it, and then he bounced back in the following game, which was against the Celtics Summer League team, and went for a triple-double. I'm pretty sure it was 11 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. So what I want to know is how much are you buying into the Summer League? And if you are buying into it, is this an indicator that Lonzo's going to come into the to the Lakers and dominate from the start? Well... At least for me, you know, I, I know Schroeder. I know you want to say something right now. So, all I would say is that I don't ever really put too much stock into the summer league. You know, to me personally, until an athlete steps on the floor and is playing, you know, with his elite contemporaries, you can't really judge him on anything. You know, what I will say is he's getting in reps right now. Uh, I don't think Lonzo Ball having scoring issues is going to be that big of a concern because I don't think that he is a guard that the Lakers will expect to... Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think that they're going to expect him to be a huge part of the offense. I think his concern is more going to be with... A huge part of the score. Uh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, I, was, I was just... You're right, right. Fair. Yeah, well said. I don't think he's going to be a huge part of, the, part of the scoring. I think he's going to be more the facilitator running the offense itself. I mean... Uh, if you you know you have uh, Luke Walton there, you know that he's going to be running a similar a style similar to the Spurs Warriors type of basketball where everyone's getting touches and everyone's touching the ball, and um, I would imagine that his ideal offensive scheme would be everyone being a threat from the floor, uh, not just one or two guys. Uh, but Schroeder, go ahead, go do your thing. No, I mean, I think it's going to be an indicator that he's going to struggle with his shot. I'm going to take it seriously. I'm not just going to go crazy on Lonzo Ball. <laughs> as much as I want to go crazy on Lonzo Ball, take well, it seriously. Well, everybody wants to go crazy on Lonzo Ball because his father's an asshole. And yeah. Unreasonable <laughs> expectations. All right. And, you know, he's a little fanoid. No, nah, I'm joking. I'm jo- speculation. But, um, no, it's, gonna, it's an indicator that he's going to struggle with his shot. Maybe for the first year. Two years, you know, whatever. He's got that funky but release to begin with. He'll Four still years, score 10 points years. maybe, and he's going to be the facilitator. It's an indication that the dude has great court vision. He has great court vision. I don't know what this passing of the torch is from Magic Johnson <laughs> to Lonzo Ball. You know what I mean? Ladies and gentlemen, we have, we have a development during the podcast. Uh, something that can only be described as a creature has... Uh, it's like running around and, and you know, frankly, Burnbound's making a fool of himself <laughs> trying to kill this thing. It's got a couple dozen legs. We're not really sure. Uh, who's that, LeVar Ball? <laughs> Schroeder, while, while Burnbound's doing whatever <laughs> he's doing. I'm um, sorry. Tell us, what... hold on, hold on. Tell us what your issue, is it your, is it, you know, the issue that you have with Lonzo Ball or is it LeVar Ball or is it both? No, it's it's just LeVar Ball. Lonzo Ball seems like a good kid, you know what I mean? He's really quiet. He's not he doesn't seem arrogant when he speaks. LeVar Ball might be putting on a show, but I think he's a jerk off. Yeah, I mean we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast. Hold that and... thought. I don't know what the hell that thing was, but it just freaked the shit out of me and I didn't kill it. 
So now I gotta go to sleep. The tonight. basement. Yeah, I, I think... gotta go to sleep tonight, knowing that thing's in striking distance. You gotta spray the home defense, pop. Right. I'll bring it call over. The, call, call the exterminator. <laughs> I got it. Bug me, couldn't kill. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go back. Go back to Lonzo. Um, hockey passes. You guys familiar with hockey passes? It's the pass that leads to the assist. Yeah, Troda, we're not yeah. idiots. Lonzo <laughs> Ball. Lonzo Ball is excelling in the hockey pass. I think he he generates offense with his court vision, even if it's the pass after the pass. What do you guys think about that? I just think, uh, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. And I think that at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to give him shit because of his dad. And um, he doesn't really even have to play that well. I mean, he could play great and people are still going to give him shit. But my thing with his dad is like, it's one of those things, you know, like I said before, uh, the whole bug thing. We were talking about it a little bit before the podcast and... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of begrudgingly respect the guy because I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to call Lavar <laughs> well smart, but I feel like he's played his position really really well and he's really taken advantage of. Uh, you talking know. about Lavar Alonzo? I'm talking about Lavar. Lamelo. I'm talking about Lavar Ball. Okay. His D'Angelo. No, right, right. I'm I'm saying I he. Get, I get what you're saying. He has he has played his position extremely well um he's generated a lot of talk for lack of a better term and um it's really done well for him it's done well for his brand um yeah but i just think it's one of those things where people don't like a guy who's like very outspoken i think black white asian doesn't matter i just think people don't get good vibes from a guy that won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> I agree with you. With outlandish comments. With outlandish, ridiculous. Right. Like, my son's better than Michael Jordan. My son can be, you know, is a better power forward well, than Tim Duncan. Like, these are ridiculous. Said, actually, the Ball said he was better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, be oh, Michael Jordan I didn't on know. I'll take him to the hole. <laughs> what is I, two points per game? I'm going to be honest. Division I, seven. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know he said that. <laughs> and I'm actually still shocked <laughs> that he said that. That was speculation. I'm sorry. He played Division 12. <laughs> I was I was gonna jump in and say that I agree I agree with you and I think Lavar Ball has played his role well. I mean it's not the most conventional way to approach your son's NBA career, but he's started a lifestyle brand. He's sending three kids to the NBA eventually, and he got his son drafted second overall. Now that's not necessarily on his merit alone. Lonnie I was just Ball's gonna say player, yeah. but. He built up a lot of the hype for the Lakers to go after him, and he also told twenty nine other teams not to draft his son. You know, part of it too is just that people people are stupid and they just lap up stupid shit. Like, if you really think about some of the shit that this guy has said, like, you know, I I just wouldn't be surprised if he started getting even more crazy with it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, my son, you know, he he could drill asteroids better than Bruce Willis can in Armageddon. You know what I mean? <laughs> Send him to outer space. You know, he'll save the fucking earth. Like, what? Like I, I mean, it's just, you know, this guy's an absolute retard. But again, you know, what do you say? He's he's really, he's, play, you know, again, he's played his position well. It's it's one of those things where I, I hate that. Uh, I'm not a guy who roots for people to be unsuccessful. But, like, a small part of me really wishes that Lonzo Ball just completely, like, shits the bed. Just so we don't have to deal with LeVar Ball, at least for the next two, three years. How fat is Buddy... How do you say his name? Hald? Buddy Held? Yield? Buddy Yield. Yield? Burnbound, is it Buddy Yield? Buddy Healed? Buddy, Buddy Heal. How fat is... Oh, he, is he? He's pretty fat. 
He's uh, terrible. The last thing I want to say about the Lonzo Ball thing is that I'm someone who buys into the summer league a lot. I know it doesn't directly translate, but it's good to see these guys get their first taste. Of yeah, them, yeah. See them in NBA action. Style. Of course. And I wasn't concerned because these guys will struggle more often than they'll succeed right away. But the fact that he bounced right back with a triple-double and he came as advertised and that he was making his teammates better and the offense moved well around him is a very good sign for the Lakers. And I think he's going to make an immediate impact. I don't know if that necessarily means the Lakers are going to become a playoff team because that hinges on other things like whether Brandon Ingram is supposed to take the next Well, they're the not going to be a playoff stacked. team this year. For, the I, 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 you know, That's guaranteed. The no, West they, is they just have a too... shot at grabbing a 7 or 8 seed if everything <sighs> came together, but it is a long shot. 7 or 8 seed? I think that... I, I mean, I mean, you, you did kind of touch down. on it, but a lot has to go right for that to happen. A well, lot has to go right. Putting aside the stacked West, I want to jump East because the Celtics have been essentially winning the offseason for a few years now. They made that one of once-in-a-lifetime Herschel Walker-type trade with Brooklyn where they're still reaping the benefits. And even after drafting successfully in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, now they've added Gordon Hayward to the fold with Isaiah Thomas. And there's really one question we need to ask with the Celtics adding Gordon Hayward and it is it's are they good enough to beat the Cavs now are they the better team are they going to be the team that can come out of the east and challenge you know the Warriors the Spurs the Rockets whoever whoever's going to be in the finals waiting for them now before you say anything the Cavaliers you know, are a kind of team that accepts the rigors of the regular season, and all they kind of do is try to cruise into the playoffs with home field advantage. They basically seeded it to Boston last year, so Boston was the number one seed, even though Cleveland was probably the better team. But are the Celtics better than Cleveland now? No, not even close. The Celtics are not better not than even Cleveland. close. Not even close. I personally don't think it's even close. As not well. even close. Um, I think that. The Celtics are not equipped. You know, every discussion ultimately turns into, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get, like, really off topic, but it ultimately comes down to, look, for the next at least two, three years, assuming LeBron James makes some crazy move, um, it's going to be the Celtics and the Cavs for at least, Warriors. at least, uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, the Warriors. Warriors and the Cavs for the next two years. And, you know, when you look at a team like the Cavs that's as stacked as they are, you know, they have all these great players, even players off the bench that are great. You ask yourself, why are the Warriors, what makes the Warriors equipped to beat them? And what makes, you know, the Cavs uh, unable to jump past the Warriors? Well, it's very simple. You took the best team in NBA history and added, and added a top five player. And added, right, an MVP. Right, right. Top but the point I'm also trying to make player. is... He was the second best You know, you're right. NBA. You're right. He always has been. You're right. But I also... I would not concede that the reason why the Warriors won last year is because they're way more talented than the Cavs are and they have way more uh, talented players. I think it comes down to that they just play a brand of basketball that's incredibly difficult to stop. And I think that when you look at the Cavs, um, you have a lot of good players. I mean, you have a lot of very good players, but that are specialists. They're brought in because they do one thing very well. And when you look at the, the Warriors, you have a lot of players that are very good at a lot of things. Now, I'm, and I'm, for I the record, I'm, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because for the record, I'm not referring to Kevin Durant 
Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. I'm actually referring to Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Right, like, you know, these are guys that affect the floor in a lot of different ways. Are the Cavs bench, is it good? Well, I want to jump in here. I think it's doo-doo. That... The, Caval- well, the Cavaliers are the team that just keeps getting veteran players trying to take a last chance at, at winning a championship. Yeah, what's going on out They're there? trying to find players that they could pay 50 cents on the dollar to get. Right. The Warriors have a bench that's actually built. Constructed, right. Constructed well. The Cavaliers are a team with depleted assets. They right. you know, went out and got Kevin Love and depleted their assets. They drafted poorly with Anthony Bennett. They, Other than Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins, you know, they haven't particularly performed so well in the draft. You know, the Warriors, because they were essentially a homegrown team. They were the best team ever. They had a lot more to work year. with. Yeah. Now, without, you know, Cleveland's cap is very much tied up in their stars. You know, Tristan Thompson, LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. Tristan Thompson's a good draft pick, you didn't mention. Fair enough. That's a good one. But he, but Tristan Thompson wasn't, wasn't you know, instantly good. It was kind of like a slow burn for him to get where he is. And he's also, it's not like he's also on a bad team playing well. He's the right. fourth guy. He's the fourth guy on a championship yeah. team, you know. No, he's a good he's a good basketball yeah, yeah. player. Don't get me wrong, he's he's gotten to a point in his career where he's a solid player, but it's not like Cleveland can go out and shell out seventy million and get a real six man. You know, they're they're sitting on Kyle Corver, picking up Deron Williams for a buyout mid year. Well, I would have loved to see them uh at least attempt to go after uh I mean Granted, it's hard to make this work, but I I think that one person who uh, came out of free agency that really would have helped the Cavs, believe it or not, was Rajon Rondo. And the reason why I say that is because you have a guy who, you know, he has a pass with LeBron. There's no guarantee that he would have played with him because there was that, like, serious dislike back when the LeBron was, you know, back when the Celtics had Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and all that stuff. But I think that he was a dude that kind of would have been perfect because he wouldn't have commanded a lot of money. He's uh, an above-average defender. He can't defend the way he used to, but he's an above-average defender. He's running offense on a on an elite level, and plus, he's not going to be demanding a lot of shots. That you know, he's a good backup guard for uh, Kyrie Irving. Or you could even make the argument you start Rajon Rondo, move Kyrie to the two, which could add another dimension of offense. But well, Ky- um, Rajon Rondo's a free agent. Yeah, who's to say the Cavaliers don't sign him? I he's think, well, I, I don't think, he's not going to command a lot of money, but I think he can get a lot of money somewhere else. But I would like to see the Cavs, you know, if you're trying to improve, I think that that's a guy that would immensely improve your situation. Does Rondo have a whole case? <laughs> if he plays like another four years, averaging 10 assists, does he have a whole case? I don't. I say no, just because. Uh, to be honest, I'd, I'd need his stats in front he of He has him. a ring. Yeah, but. Where he was the floor fame, general. To become a Hall of Fame player, you need a lot of statistical evidence to back it up. And even in terms of the advanced stats, he just doesn't blow anybody away. His intangibles are off the charts. You know, well, like crucial. averaging 11 assists a game doesn't blow anybody away? What are we talking about? What kind of, what kind career, of stats are we talking about? per game? Eight and a half. Okay. It's not terrible. But one, two, three, four seasons and five, if you want to count, 10.8, averaging 11. One averaging almost 12 assists. Two averaging 11.7. So convince me. Why is he going into the hole? Just because he averaged 11, point, 11 assists a game right. in five years? He was a good defender when he was younger. He's not a great defender He's always now. high in steals. He led the league in, in steals per game. How many times? Once. 
once. Career almost two steals a game. I mean, I don't think I don't think me me and Burnbound saying that Rondo wouldn't be in the I'm Hall very of Fame. Rondo. I don't think that that no, you just would. Got to present a case. Yeah. Well, no, I guess what I'm trying to say is I I don't I kind of agree with Burnbound. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. Four-time but I don't think that, that I don't think I would go as far as to say that he's a bad player or anything like that. There are plenty of great players who just never made it for whatever reason. The thing about a Hall of Famer that really sticks out for me is that a Hall of Famer at some point in his career should make a team like. This is an awful comparison, but LeBron James makes any team he's been on. Even Carmelo Anthony made the Nuggets and the Knicks. What you know at certain points. Can I mean, we talk about I how per- I personally bad Carmelo do not, sucks? No, I, personally, I don't want to talk about. There's nothing Carmelo I'd sucks. rather talk about more. But I'm gonna be one of those. Like I do not think Carmelo Anthony should be in the Hall of Fame. No, I don't. I don't and, think he made and any I, team and better. And I wouldn't even attribute it to my hatred for him as a Knicks fan. Because I actually am one of the few people that I don't really blame Melo for anything that's happened in the last, you know, five years or so. Like, I, I did in the beginning, um, but I ultimately feel that Melo, you didn't have to give him a five-year extension. Uh, I was I was a person who was very high on the trade when it first happened. I agree with everybody in hindsight. It would have made a lot more sense for the Knicks to not offer him a deal, wait for him to go to free agency, and then keep your core and add him. And I think that would I mean that would have been something like pretty that, incredible that would have to been see. A smart thing to do, but right. the Knicks. But as would... we know, the Knicks don't know how numbers work, so <laughs> that's not really going to be uh, too much of an you know that's not really going to be that plausible, but. Um, either way, I just for me, it's like I don't think Melo has made a team. He made the Nuggets, but they never really made it past the second round. And even in the Knicks, he's only been to the second round once. Um, he definitely has the scoring accolades to back up being in the uh, yeah. But when you look at Melo, the one thing you're not bringing up is that he is one of the historically best players in the Olympics, and that that thanks. contributes towards yeah. your Hall of Fame case. He's got three gold medals. Three, right? Not four. Yeah, no, who do you think, play with LeBron James? LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. Uh, I'll, let me, I'll check that real quick. But oh, you, no, you might be right. You might be right. Um, I think that the Olympic accolades add to his case. And when you look at Melo, the Basketball Hall of Fame kind of takes a look at your whole career as a basketball player. And the one thing you can't forget is that Melo was also a champion at the collegiate level. And that's got to factor yeah, it's, in. Yeah, it's the national basketball. Yeah, it's the... The Basketball Hall of Fame, so it's everything. So he's probably a Basketball Hall of Famer. Is he an NBA Hall of Famer? No. I want to jump back to... Yeah, but if you're talking NBA Hall of Fame, you can't discount the Olympic team. He sucks. Carmelo (laughs) Anthony sucks. The fuck out of here. It's like Eli Manning. He's not a Hall of Famer. Well, the thing that's really sad about Carmelo Anthony is that he's probably the most complete offensive player we've seen in our generation. We're We're all like 24, 25 years old. He's probably the most... The most complete, from the standpoint of there's nothing on the offensive side of the ball that this man does not do exceptionally well. Post, free throw. Oh, oh, do I I have a question? And yet LeBron James shoots better from the field other than free throws and has a higher career average. So how he's the the most complete player, I don't know. Well, no, he said he was the most... He had the most uh, no, no, I'm saying purely offensive. Purely offensive, yeah. Because Melo's still... And here's the other thing, too. Melo, maybe efficiency-wise, isn't as good of a shooter than LeBron. But let's be realistic. If you're pl- if you're a team game planning for them, 
Are you more likely to give Carmelo Anthony wide open shots, or are you more likely to give LeBron James LeBron wide James, open shots? Yeah, yeah. LeBron wanna, makes a lot of his money in the post. I want to preface on, like, this by breaks. saying yeah. that, yeah. that none of this applies anymore because Carmelo Anthony is extremely depleted as a player. And <gasps> also, uh, and a person. It was, <laughs> he's, he's fried. <laughs> it was three gold medals and one bronze. Well, <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? Before we move forward, I just want to jump back to the Rondo thing for one second. And if Rondo's a Hall of Famer, and not even the the fact that we were discussing Gordon Hayward and the Celtics, and I have absolutely no idea where this came from. But... Yeah, we... Rondo (laughs) was not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, let's listen to this. Wait, before you say that... Dude, talk to the mic. (laughs) Oh, all right. Before you say that, I'm sorry. He led the league in assists three times. This He's is Rondo? Third all-time, in, uh, third active, I mean, in career assists per game. He's ninth all-time in career assists per game. He's 34th in steals. In assist percentage, he's fourth all-time in the NBA. I just want to pose one question to you, and I'll accept whatever answer you give me here. Rondo in his prime, if you put him on a team like Oklahoma City today w- without Westbrook, does Rondo make them a playoff team? That's a loaded question, but he's and the a reason why is because I mean I know that Oklahoma wasn't directed State, towards me, he's but a my facilitator, right? And all I mean, Rondo has never been a good shooter in his entire career. No, he's a career. facilitator. So that actually is kind of a loaded question because you know what? What would ultimately happen is on that on that scenario, you're saying Rondo uh, on the on the Thunder right now. As in, as in minus Paul George minus Russell Westbrook, you just put Rondo there. Is that what you're saying? Except it's Rondo in his prime, like Rondo in his 2011 prime. 2011 Rondo. No, like 2009 uh, Rondo oh. with the Celtics, like early. No, I'm Celtics. talking about the year after the, they won the championship, where Rondo like really took a huge role, and that was probably his best year statistically. If yeah. So when him, did they win the championship? I mean, I think they make. 2010. It was eight. Do they make? You're saying do they make the yeah. playoffs? Yeah. With Paul George. No, I I don't I don't think they make the playoffs, but that's more based on his offensive deficiencies. The I don't I don't think that makes him less of a point guard in the sense. I just think if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, you have to be the kind of player that can change, you know, the scope of your team, for better or for worse. Yeah, sure. I mean, he pretty much set up those Celtic team, though, in the playoffs yeah, with wide-open shots and ridiculous. I, I mean, it was Ray Allen for three wide-open. I, I, I can't really. For three wide open. Yeah, but I can't really, I can't really back you up there because you do have three Hall lock first-ballot Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I mean, you know, I mean, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen are lock first-ballot. Yeah, KG was like two years removed from being the best player in the NBA. I think it stands to reason that there were a number of point cards you could have substituted for Rondo, and that team still could have won the championship and gone to the finals two times in three years. All right, so we'll drop that there. Markel Fultz, ankle injury, out for the summer league. So wait, wait, wait! Before we go into this, we don't know if Gordon, if the Celtics are better than the than the Cavs. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, they're not. But uh, well, well, let me let me say this just because because so we can help minimize time. Burnbound, you when when Schroeder said not even close, you were you said not even close, like questioningly, as if he was crazy. I kind of agree with Schroeder, but what would be your reasoning for them not for for it being close? Celtics may not individually stack up to the Cavaliers. They don't. 
but they are a very good team with some of their parts. You've got a couple very real problems in that you're going up against the best player in the world, possibly to ever play the game. And, but I'm willing to respect what he's done and how, how great he is. The other, another thing you have to look at is that Isaiah Thomas has to be hidden defensively because as good of a defender he is, his size is just never never going to result in good matchups in an NBA game. Right. And Agreed. You ha just have to talk about how the Celtics may not be cohesive off the bat. You know, they're a relatively new team adding – a young player and an established superstar going into a, a different situation. Now, on the other hand, well, wait, wait, who's the established superstar? Gordon Hayward. I don't think Gordon Hayward is not a superstar. A superstar. He's like a second tier all star. Yeah, he's no. I, I would. I mean, I would throw him as an all star. He's a top fifteen NBA player. Yeah, a top fifteen NBA player who's who's no. improved every year say, no in way, his top seven 15. year NBA career. He's not top fifteen. I don't, yeah, 15 I don't players? think. I don't think well, he's top. Right. I don't in think he's interest, top fifteen. I'm gonna be in honest the with you. Of time, we'll I mean, yeah, yeah. For the record, I, I, Gordon Hayward's a there's great. There's four player. guys on the the Warriors. There's three on the Cavs. That's seven. Demarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. That's nine. James Harden, ten. Chris Paul, eleven. I don't think Kevin Paul Love George. is a top fifteen player. Rajon Rondo. I don't think Kevin Love is a top fifteen. I'll say player take him more. away. What do we got? Ten. Uh, you got two on the pace. Uh, I would take Demarcus Cousins over Gordon Hayward. You got. I would take Anthony Davis over Gordon. I think you said him, but. I would take two it. on OKC with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. That's 12. Yeah. All right. I digress. The Celtics might not be cohesive immediately. It happened with a lot of teams that added star players. It happened with the Heat when they added LeBron and Chris Bosh. Uh, what I want to say, though, is that Brad Stevens is one of the smartest and most strategic coaches in the league, and he could do a lot with a little. He did it in college with Butler. Well and said. He's doing it. He's done it with the Celtics. He's gotten a lot out of them, and he's transformed Isaiah Thomas into a superstar. Uh, well, a scoring superstar, let's call it. The Celtics, one-on-one -on -one in each matchup, may not be able to beat the Cavaliers, but a couple bad breaks, you know, a rough night from Kyrie, if LeBron James is suffering from overusage, or if he is in a slump, which has happened to him before in the playoffs— and if Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson disappear, it's not far-fetched to say if the Celtics could overtake them. They went to six last year, and the Celtics got better and got younger, and Cleveland didn't really do anything. So another, another thing is, is that Jason Tatum and – I'll get you in a sec, Schroeder. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both two players that have the chance to be superstars one day, and you don't know what you're going to get from their rookie and sophomore efforts. But – Having guys like that in the roster doesn't hurt. So, what, what did you want to say? Man? No, they just lost Avery Bradley, though, who's one of their better two-way players. I mean, probably one of their better defensive yeah, players. Yeah, but that definitely. does open room for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to step up. Marcus Smart. I, I'm not going to discount Avery Bradley's defensive prowess. Yeah. He's a good defender. He's well, a big he, shot maker, too. And just what he brings to the team overall energy-wise and maybe like leadership in the locker room. You know what I mean? Losing... He was definitely a leader on that team. But you're losing Avery Bradley to add Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum. And they're bringing in Aaron Baines, if that makes any difference. That doesn't I don't know who that is. He's like a role player center. He's a young guy. Who's that, Zaza Pachulia? No. Uh, but like we said, over and done with, we, we, I want to jump back to Markel Fultz and his ankle injury. He's not going to play in the summer league. 
again. And I don't think this injury is going to cause any issues in terms of the regular season. But it does bring up an interesting parallel in that Joel Embiid was injured when he first was drafted. Ben Simmons missed a year when he was first drafted. Markel Fultz gets injured in Summer League. Obviously, there's no indication that he's going to miss the year, but are we starting to see a trend with Sixers draft picks? Yeah, the trend is that they're the Sixers, (laughs) and they're based out of Philadelphia. I think the real question is, where's Little B in all of this? Has the base god struck again? You know what I mean? Because... Who knows what that fucking guy? Fuck <laughs> it's Embiid. a sprained ankle, man. It's a sprained ankle. You gotta think. You gotta consider that. Right, and base God's a just a rapper, right? <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> whatever you say. Who is this guy you speak of? I don't know if he Lil B, tries the base to God? act like he performs hip hop music. Oh, like Kevin Durant. I mean, that's yeah, one. That's hate. one hit right there. That's a great song right there. I love Kevin that song. Kevin Durant didn't win until Lil B publicly took the curse off of him. So. And James Harden supposedly just got the the lift the band. I mean the the, curse. the band lifted. The, the I think the Sixers are going to be really good in like a year. How about the, how about <laughs> I like think two that, years? I, I think Sixers fans have been saying that for five years. I think the Sixers are going to be really You're right, good. They, I, mean, I mean, if this kid and B could stay healthy, his per thirty six minutes are off the charts. Yeah, but. How many games did Joel Embiid play last year? No, 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 but, no but, he's, but he's prefacing it by saying he if he stays healthy. In a perfect world, if Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Markel Foles, Jaheel before, and and J.J. Redick play 82 games, they'll probably be a playoff team, especially in the depleted East. Jo- yeah, you forgot about Okafor. Well, I forgot about Okafor because he sucks, but yeah. I mean, the thing that the Sixers have going for them is that all these guys are young and they're coming up together. What these guys don't have going for them is that they have, they're you know, part of a losing culture. Without a good coach, and you know, and they don't, and, and, and both of those things have to change for any franchise to start being successful. Yeah. It's not enough to just have talent. Talent's only going to get you so far. And the ghost of Sam Hinkie continues to haunt. Them. Why isn't Ben Simmons playing in the summer league at all? Because he's fat. No, he's not ripped up. He's no, fat. He's not fat. Huge. I have absolutely no idea. Maybe I don't want him to get hurt. All right, the Sixer fans, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. It's not looking too good. <laughs> Fuck. In terms of Philly, I think they're going to be really good. I think they have the chance for it to be this year just because how depleted the East is. I certainly hope not because they're it, currently the only cheap alternative for me to go see the Knicks without paying extremely yeah, fair. You know, <laughs> terrible ticket prices. You know, doesn't that kind of suck that you have to preface you have to preface everything that you say when it comes to talking about teams in the East where, you know, they're, they're going to be really good, granted it's a depleted East. I mean, let's be realistic. The Celtics wouldn't have been the first seed in the East if they played in the West. They'd have been, like, the sixth seed, seventh seed. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just one of those things where I think that, you know, I don't know what the NBA can do about a situation like this. But it really surprises me that more superstars don't flock to the East to, you know, having that balance out there. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, you look at LeBron James, the dude, and again, I know I always come across as a I mean, LeBron everybody's hater. everybody's leaving away from him. Look, I know I always come across as a LeBron hater. I don't really hate the guy. I, res- I think he's the greatest basketball player of, that, I've, that I have watched in the, you know, 10 to 15 years that I've watched basketball. I think that's without a doubt. I could say that now. What he did last year, that for me, with me and you know my feelings for him, what he did last year uh, 
really changed the way I viewed him. Guy did two things in that have never been done in NBA history. Came back three from a 3-1 deficit. Uh, three things, really. Beat the most successful regular season team in the history of the NBA and led every player in every statistical category. I mean, those are things that you, no matter how you feel about the guy, those are undeniable accolades that only further his, uh, you know, greatness. Legend. But, no, seeing how depleted the East is, it surprises me that certain superstars that have had issues in you know in the postseason haven't flocked to the East to at least get a chance to make it far in the playoffs. It's incre- It's like it's, it's amazing to me. I want to drop this just because there's one thing I really want to talk about, and we're coming up on like the 50 minute mark now, so I really want to go into this because I think we're gonna spend at least like 10 minutes on it. And that's the current state of the Knicks. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> if I'm yeah, being completely honest with you, I wanted to talk about this first today, but I was vetoed by my guests. And oh, the, guests. the main thing sticking out is that the Knicks signed Tim Hardaway to an offer sheet. Tim Hardaway Jr. to an offer sheet. Well, that's okay. not... I, I would say that's not the main thing. That's just the latest in a ridiculous string <laughs> of, of, you know, fucking buffoonery. So they're giving Tim Hardaway... Junior, $71 million over four years, and Atlanta had the chance to match and chose not to. So now Tim Hardaway is our uh, is our superstar. <laughs> is that what it's come to? You know, for me, the money they gave him is ridiculous, but it's kind of on par with the way NBA contracts are going. You know, a player who whose career high is 14 points a game in one season is now worth $18 million a year. I was talking about this with uh, two fellow Nick fans today, and they were very much justifying the move to me in that the team's getting younger. You know, you have a player who still has potential. You want to get the team competitive to attract free agents. And my main argument was, was that, you know, you keep bunching up these bad cap contracts and you start hampering your ability to sign marquee free agents or bring in multiple marquee free agents. So, Chris, you're... You're like the equivalent to me in terms of Nick's fanhood, so I'm curious what you have to say. Well, let me tell you something right now, Justin. <laughs> no. Um, I uh, I don't like the move. I don't, like, hate the move because it's... Uh, it, you kind of touched on it. You know, it seems like a ridiculous amount of money, but the truth is, with the way the cap has ballooned over the last couple of years, it's almost to be expected um, the issue I've always had with the Knicks is that I feel like at least over the, you know, I can't speak for like the years that this franchise has been here, but I could at least speak for like the early 2000s and on. I feel like while there's a huge number of issues that plague the Knicks, one of the things that's been most frustrating for me as a fan has been that the Knicks always seem to want to make the flashy move. Now, I'm not saying that Tim Hardaway Jr. signing is is a flashy move. It's just a stupid move. But, you know, you look at all some of the most successful teams in the NBA, and they all have huge uh, emphasis on building through the draft, which is something the Knicks, quite frankly, never do. We trade away all our picks to bring in this one guy, and if we bring this one guy in, oh, man, everything's going to change. Tracy McGrady. And it's, I mean, honestly, like, we can go down the list. Tracy yeah, McGrady, Tracy Carmelo McGrady. Anthony. He uh, traded three first-round picks for Tracy McGrady at the deadline when he was like 35, and he played 23 games with the team. 
and that was it. Then re- retired, a free agency. I don't even remember. This was like five or six years ago now. And wow. No, longer a, than that, but still. No, no, I think it was. Uh, you know, I don't want. I don't want to speculate. Not wow. Really. Well, let's not speculate. You just the Knicks Steve about, Francis. Yeah, but Steve Francis wasn't. They weren't going all in on Steve Francis. Yeah, but Steve, you know, um, a lot of people. Guy that didn't work out. It was like Tracy McGrady. They got him, and his his knees burnt out immediately. You know, I loved the Amari Stoudemire signing when it first happened. There were a lot of doubts around it. What I I don't want to bash that move per se because well, there was a level of you know he was the first like all-star caliber dude that came through and kind of really started to make the New York Knicks a lot more of an attractive uh, destination. However, having said that, you know, Nick doctors examined him before he signed and they came to the conclusion, like this was a story from years ago, they came to the conclusion that this guy has at best two to three more like elite years and then his knees are absolutely done. Well, that's what we were doing. We were paying the premium on one or two good years, right? No, no, no. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm saying, I'm saying that to buffer your, to buffer your point, which yeah. is that, which is that, you know, you, the Knicks have this thing where they never make the long term move, and it's very frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Nick fan. I've been a Nick fan for years. I'm not a huge. You know, I mean, one of my favorite players of all time was Larry Bird. But that said, I'm not a Boston fan. However, you really got to give it up to Danny Ainge. Like the guy, absolutely killed this rebuild. Everyone's been um, giving him slack this year because they're saying, oh, you know, you have all these draft picks with nothing to show for it. Like, having a bunch of draft picks is a bad thing. Um, as well, a Knicks fan, I would love to have, you know, a few draft picks. That would be that would be incredible. Well, the knock is, you know, like, you keep trading back and multiplying your assets, and, you know, what's it for? When are you going to cash in your chips and finally go all yeah. in? But the smart thing about Danny Ainge is that... But I, I respect him for not buying into that hype because at the end of the day, why cash in for a chance when you can set yourself up to be successful? Well, the successful? thing is, is Danny Ainge has never needed to because he traded back on extra pick, got the player he wanted anyways, and then brought in a marquee player in free agency. So now he added a star... He's got two really solid young guys on the roster with superstar potential, and he's still got extra draft picks hanging around. Yeah. And what do we got? We, have we ain't we ain't got shit, is what we, we got. Have Tim Hardaway Jr. We have Tim. We have the yeah the seventy one million dollar man. And a depleted East. The Knicks are terrible. Oh yeah, Schroeder. Yeah, <laughs> the are they bad? Terrible. Get out of here. What was Phil Jackson doing? I would like to ask Phil. I wish we could bring him on the show one day. <laughs> well, you know, it's Come funny. It's funny you guys Phil. say that because Talk to us, brother. It's funny you guys say that. I was going to keep this as a surprise for the end of the show. Uncle but, Phil. Uh, yeah, no, I um, I have no idea what that guy was doing. He's uh, off in Montana right now. Apparently, he was sleeping with guys on draft workouts and speculation. Wait, wait, wait. You said and- that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dude, sleeping with, <laughs> nah, sleeping yeah. with guys at the tryouts. It's got, <laughs> holy shit. Phil, you're so, Breaking news! <laughs> Phil, they're supposed to be sleeping with you, not you with them. <laughs> no, but the point is is that the Knicks have always felt that you could take somebody with a great basketball reputation and... And ruin them? And... and <laughs> No, like Phil Jackson is a legend, but Phil Jackson's not a legendary. He's GM. past his prime. How about it's this? It's not even he was past his prime. Yeah, apparently. No, he's Phil, not. No, no. Apparently. My, my, the point I'm trying to get out here is that Phil Jackson is not a GM. 
he's not qualified to be you, president of basketball. You operation. don't say. <laughs> there's a reason. You don't say. There's a reason that you know the GM coach rarely works out. Doc it, Rivers is a perfect example of this. Yeah, Chip Kelly. There's a reason, and the the same thing happened with Isaiah Thomas. They're like, oh, Isaiah Thomas, great player. He automatically knows basketball. Oh. Not only can he GM the team, he can coach too. You know, this is a great idea. It worked out terribly. And the point is, is that Phil Jackson, it seems like, never really had a plan of what he wanted to do. You know, we have to thank him because the first gift he gave us was Przingis, who a lot of us were against when it happened. And it turned out that we basically have the blueprint for a stretch five, the modern blueprint for a stretch five. Yeah. But after that, there was not really- Not to mention... You know, it's granted still a little early in his career, but really like has shown a lot of good signs as far as intangibles for the type of guy you want as the face of your franchise. And which I think he has that potential to be because a legitimate he franchise could be the guy. face of the franchise. Yeah. Phil decided to try to trade him. <laughs> of course, in, in true, in true, Phil Jackson. First good player we've drafted in years. Let's get rid of him. Good job. Good job, Phil. One thing you did for us, well, which Burnbound, is actually great. Yeah, Burnbound, I know you don't want to spend too much time on Phil, and frankly, neither do I. The guy's a the guy's a bomb. Well, wait, time out. Phil didn't get the Knicks any draft picks back, and they didn't get under the cap, which the Knicks haven't been in years. It's yeah. not like Phil Jackson did all these bad things. He did a couple of good things that you know some well, GMs I'm, I'm, have. I'm pretty sure they're under the Phil. cap. I think the issue is that they yeah, can't still- get anybody to to play here. Talk about Dennis Smith dropping 25 in the summer league game. Don't go off topic. <laughs> you know, he got us under the cap, but he also signed Jakeem Noah for Oh my god. Terrible contract. Derrick Rose. And you know Derrick what? Derrick Rose, Courtney Lee. Well, well, hold on, hold on. I wasn't I didn't have a problem with the Derrick Rose signing. I mean, it was for one year. You were playing you were paying top dollar, but for one year. Okay. So I don't hate I, I me personally, I didn't hate Is that. Is free agent right now, Derrick Rose? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but no Phil home. Jackson also had a one for one swap. Derek Rose for Ricky Rubio at the trade deadline. He let it fall apart. So that's another thing on him. I'm also not I, I don't hate that. No, Derek Ricky- Derek Rose has done more. I mean, I know you're I know you're like high on Ricky Rubio. I, I'm not that high on him. Well the thing about but- Ricky Rubio's is if we're playing the triangle, why do you let a trade for the ideal young point guard to run the triangle fall through? Yeah, but this is ultimately the problem that Phil Jackson ran into is that your job as the president of basketball operations is not to coach the team. I realize that the triangle was super successful for him. And, you know, you, you we, I would even go as far as to say that maybe things would have been different if everything kind of fell into place for the guy. But at the end of the day, your job as the executive, uh, as you know, as the, the president of basketball operations, all right, is to get a coach and set that coach up for everything that he needs in order to successfully execute his plan and you know ultimately succeed in the NBA. And that's not what he did. What he did is he 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 first he hired Derek Fisher, a man with no coaching experience whatsoever. Yeah, let's pay him top dollar. That's great. Then he goes and gets uh, who's the guy? Not 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 Jeff Hornacek right now. Who was the dude that he hired? Bernie. It was, he, Kurt was Rambis Kurt, yeah, yeah, Kurt Rambis, he was which interim. basically he right interim coach, 
told Kurt Rambis that he would be the coach and then kept him as the interim coach. I want to interrupt you for a second just because we're watching this Celtics Summer League highlight. And basically, from that highlight, it looks like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to be Hall of Famers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Yeah, well said. All right, back to Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's fatal flaw, he wanted to micromanage the organization top down. He wanted his offense, players used the way he wanted, and he wasn't okay with hiring people and letting them do their job. And you know what would have been terrific? In all seriousness, like I don't at all blame him for not wanting to coach the Knicks for a number of reasons. Age, the fact that the Knicks weren't good. But you can't bring in, you, you know, you can't as the executive come down and be like, yeah, I'm going to teach you guys a triangle. That's not your fucking job. Your job team, is man. to, right, exactly. If that's the case, coach the team. Coach the team. You know, I would have loved to see them bring in a Mark Jackson or a Tom Thibodeau. Mark uh, you know, great. at the time before he was hired. You know, and just, just, See how you do with that. Like I, I just I don't understand. I, I didn't understand his approach to the way in which he went about doing things. I, I it's something I don't understand, and it's something that it's it's very difficult to defend. And I think that's why he's you know out of a job today. Obviously, still getting paid sixty fucking million dollars. But what are you gonna do, Phil Jackson? Yeah. He, it, when, so when you get fired, he still gets all that money. He made nice. sixty million dollars over the four years he was with the Knicks. Yeah, nice. you, you still get all that money. Guaranteed contracts, baby. All right, closing thoughts? The closing thoughts are, fuck Phil Jackson, all right? He is a baby back bitch. And uh, he's making $60 million to do absolutely nothing right now. Um, Nah, you know, I think that uh, this NBA season, despite all of the really, really interesting moves that have happened in the off season, and it's really over the last couple of years, it's been my favorite time to be to you know to be interested in the NBA. I think for all the changes that have happened, I do not expect the end result to be any different. It's gonna be the Cavs versus the Warriors. The Warriors are gonna win. Um and uh LeBron I think will not be in Cleveland after this year. Possibly a, maybe a hot take scenario for me. I don't really think so. I think I think that LeBron. All right, Chris, wrap it up here. Is going to leave. Uh, I think that people are not going to be upset with it because he brought Cleveland their first championship. So what are you really going to say to the guy? And I think he's all about getting the rings, which as he should be. And I think you could very well see him in L.A. to end his uh, to end his career. But uh, yeah, and to the Dick Schroeds. All right, I just want to piggyback off of what Chris said. I think, like he said, all these moves, everything, it doesn't make a difference. It's going to be the Warriors, you know, the greatest team ever made, 73 wins, with the added super bitch, Kevin Durant, you know, the finals MVP, the gayest man, the gayest man on earth. All right, LeBron had Mo Williams. He had Russell Westbrook. All right, but back to the NBA free agency. It's going to be Cavs-Warriors. Is it going to be the same outcome? I don't know. I don't know. What more could LeBron James do? Maybe they add a bench piece that we don't know about, or maybe J.R. Smith decides to not smoke that much weed. I don't know, but it's going to be Cavs-Warriors again, 4 Pete, probably 5 Pete, 6 Pete. So, I mean, NBA free agency is probably not going to be relevant for another three years. That's all for this episode of the 353 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 353pod, and also check us out on SoundCloud. Also, be sure to visit www.basenockmlb.com and check out all the cool content we have on there. Until next time.